Hi, I'm Erica Keswin. Welcome to Left to Our Own Devices, a show that explores how to bring our human to work and to life. Because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. Today, my guest is Carolyn Tish Blodgett. Carolyn was most recently the head of marketing at Peloton. She built and led the company's brand team, resulting in more than a tenfold increase in sales and a global membership base that has grown to over 3 million members. And I'm sure you're not surprised by those numbers if you were one of the people that was dying to get your hands on a Peloton during the pandemic. Under Carolyn's leadership, Peloton successfully launched four new products. I have to say I'm a huge fan of the treadmill. Prior to Peloton, she worked at Pepsi, attended Harvard Business School, and she currently lives in New York City with her husband, Will, and their three very young kids. I think actually they are all under five years old. I know that you will enjoy the show. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, Carolyn, so good to see you and so great to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm glad I get to see you at least virtually. I know. And for those listening, we just changed the time of when we were recording this podcast because one of Carolyn's kids is home doing remote school. And for a five-year-old, it's difficult to figure out the link. I mean, it's di- difficult enough for me at 52 to figure out the link on some of these uh, on some of these Zooms. So we're squeezing it in between, <laughs> between remote school. Thank you for doing it's, that. This is the story of uh, 2020, yeah. I think. Yeah, exactly. And And where I am right now is I have four teenagers with me and they all took the best spots in the house <laughs> to do their remote school. So I'm pretty much in like the corner of a closet. <laughs> it looks so, nice. Some nice wood in the so, background. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we do have some nice wood in the background. So Carolyn, you have had quite a year. You know, Carolyn's the former uh, CMO of Peloton, which I, I shared in the intro. So within the last year, you helped the company go public. We hit, hit a pandemic. Business went through the roof. You had your third child. And right now you moved out of New York City where your kids are doing school. So how are you? You know, it's a good question. And one I haven't asked myself in a while. I am good. I think you know, I, I, as crazy as this year has been for us, and, and I'm happy to talk through any of those details. And there are, there are many more you didn't even list. Um, I think we're obviously, it goes without saying that I'm incredibly fortunate to be in this position that we could make the right decision for our family, which was to move out of the city that I had, um, I had, that I had resigned actually from Peloton because ironically, I wanted to spend more time with my family didn't realize quite how much time I was going to spend with my family when I made that decision. (laughs) So I do feel so fortunate that I have this time at home. Obviously, you know, the days are not that glamorous and there are many days where I feel almost more exhausted by being home with my kids than I did from having a job like the head of marketing at Peloton. But the ability to be able to focus on, as you said, you know, when my daughter is in remote school and the fact that I can, when, when that started in March, I was still at Peloton full time. So I was, you know, I would sit at my desk here, here, uh, like start my call. And then she would be sitting next to me. I would start her call and or call whatever, you know, zoom class is. And like, she'd be wearing headphones. I'd be wearing headphones. And then my three-year-old would be running around the house. Like it was just total chaos. So I feel really fortunate that at least as much as no one wants to be being a parent in, in this moment, at least I feel like I can be present with them and I feel lucky for that. Yeah. These are in- interesting times for sure. So w- when we think about 
I mean, Peloton for over the last year, just in the midst of this pandemic, you know, whether it's friends that I know sort of waiting and, and looking at their watch, waiting for their Peloton to appear. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, the mission for those who don't know the mission of Peloton and, and the impact that you believe it's had on people's lives during the pandemic and even stories that you've, that you've heard from your members? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny when you said that when, when March, when everything was starting to shut down, I feel like, and I could barely keep up with, again, like my job was completely changing. I could barely keep up with everything that was happening in my life. And I probably got 30 text messages or emails or Facebook messages, Instagram messages a day of people saying like, hi, I haven't talked to you in 15 years, but do you think you could speed up my Peloton delivery? And it was, I mean, truly like out of the woodworks of every part of my life came out and said, you know, can, how, how fast can I get a Peloton bike? So the thing about Peloton, um, is uh, obviously the pandemic has, you know, it sped up, um, sales, but it really sped up a, um, a change that we, those of us, you know, working there had seen coming for a long time and we were creating. So when I joined Peloton four years ago, when I met John, uh, the uh, co-founder and CEO, when he talked about revolutionizing the fitness industry and he talked about really, you know, taking the best of boutique fitness and the best of home fitness and merging them together into this new category called connected fitness, where you could get an amazing workout but in like you were getting in a boutique cycling studio or any kind of boutique studio, but get it in the comfort and convenience of your own home. Those mm-hmm. were, that trend was starting and, and it was already happening. Peloton obviously was doing it. We had gone public, as you said, you know, a few months before that trend had started before the pandemic obviously accelerated it. So when you think about the, the community, Peloton from a community perspective, which is really a lot of what I think about relationships and community. How how has Peloton and the community helped people during in you know from even your own personal experience being a user of a Peloton or during your time there because you were still there during the pandemic hearing some of those stories and I ask that because I'm out there talking to leaders right now about how do we keep our employees engaged at work. This new normal has be, now become not so new. And I even spoke to a leader last week and we were brainstorming ways to keep her employees motivated and upbeat because these days are hard, you know, yeah. and the weather's getting cold. And she said, one of the things she does is organize a Peloton ride for her team to do together. And so I thought it was just interesting timing that I was going to talk to you this week. And, you know, so how can we leverage this type of technology to create connections at a time where people are really feeling lonely? Totally. I love that. I think there's so many stories of people really not just, you know, they're so happy that they now have a way to exercise. And it's an important part of a lot of people's routines, myself included, which I'm happy to talk about later if you want. But I think you're exactly right that there's, everyone is, we are, you know, it's so cliche to say, but like we're the most connected and also the most alone. And it's so true that the benefits, the things that we all kind of took for granted about work of like the five minute hallway conversation or the, you know, talking to someone over lunch at their office, like all of that is gone. And the only connections over work are just sitting, staring at each other through a computer and work and like doing the work. There's none of kind of the other emotional aspects of work. And so I think you do see a lot of people relying on a community like Peloton during this time to connect. So I've definitely heard of 
people that are that work together doing rides together we saw a lot early on we have this program um, that i helped create called the comeback program where we donate bikes to people that can't afford a peloton bike Mm -hmm. and try and you know broaden access of peloton to to a broader population and we we that continues but we also launched a different version of it for healthcare workers right when it started and there were just the most incredible stories of people who are working you know you know flew to new york to go work in the hospitals in the peak periods and where no one even knew how it was spreading so they didn't even have the right pve or anything like that and they flew to new york and all they wanted was a peloton bike with them so that they could exercise and like and feel some kind of connection at the end of the day and i think there's, you know, again, there's just so many stories of people going through a difficult time, whether it's, you know, during COVID and pandemic, or it's just the everyday life of raising kids or trying to balance a career and a, and a um, personal life and a family. And Peloton, for so many people, not only has the instructor been that source of connection, right. but the community of other riders with them. Right. I actually did my 500th ride the other day. I had forgotten it was my five. Usually I remember these things. I'd forgotten it was my 500th ride and I logged, it was, you know, some random time of day that I was able to slip in a class and I logged in and instantly I, you know, there must've been a thousand high fives that I got on the leaderboard. And then I realized, why are these people high-fiving me? And then I realized it was my 500th ride and just feeling, you know, and obviously I've been on the other side. I know what what it was like to launch that software and that feature. And I was sitting there in my bike. I hadn't talked to anyone that was above the age of five yet that day. And I (laughs) felt connected and I felt like, wow, I am a part of something bigger. And I think that's what Peloton has done for so many people, particularly in the last few months. I love when you said that because when I, when I, so for you, it sounds like going and taking a class and taking a ride on the Peloton is a ritual. And when I, people will ask me, what's the definition of, of a ritual and why are rituals important? You know, it would seem a ritual is something where if you didn't do it, something would feel like it was missing is, is Mm -hmm. one piece of it. And why are rituals important? to us as humans at work, at home, in life, is it rituals, I call it the three Ps, that give us a sense of psychological safety and belonging, as you said, to something bigger, you know, and a connection to purpose. And so I, as you were sharing that story and, and feeling part of something bigger is so important for people right now. And I hope that people listening, you know, if and, and even if it sounds like, even if somebody doesn't have a Peloton bike, I think it sounds like there would be a way for a team that's trying to engage their employees to, you know, maybe as a perk or something at work, they could use the app, right. And have everybody connected that way. Is that an option for them? Yeah. First of all, you definitely, you do not need the bike. There's so much great content on the app. There's strength, there's yoga, there's meditation. I mean, there's so many other things like that. Right. But I would say, you know, even just removing Peloton, I think the idea of doing something with other people can be anything. I mean, I love, again, like group fitness has always been a part of my life, but it could be, you know, we did early on when our, when everyone was, you know, in extreme isolation and our kids were really missing being with other kids. We, we downloaded that app house party and we would do like a play date with their friends and they would sit and draw together. And, you know, it's not exact, I think for those of us that know what a uh, two-way conversation looks like, we wouldn't exactly call that a success. They're mostly just sitting in silence, drawing together. But for them, it felt like there was some connection. So I think, you know, you can apply that to anything of doing, you know, an exercise class together, drink, uh, doing like a wine and cheese night together, anything where it feels like 
you can, to your point, it's it, you're, you're joining something bigger than just you. Yeah. Well, I talk about, you know, how do we find the sweet spot between tech and connect? So let's leverage the technology for all of its greatness, but also find ways to connect on a deeper level. And hopefully we can go back to being face to face and and have that combination of both the tech and the connect. But I think right now for many people, this technology, again, whether it's Peloton or house party or all of these different online fitness, I've been doing all different things have been a li- have really been a lifeline for 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 many people right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do think, you know, I think finding that balance is tricky. I think that is something that will last in post uh, vacc- vaccinated world. Um I think people will still I mean t- there's so much greatness in technology that you can that it does enable you to connect in that way. I mean one of the things our family started doing early on was, um, my family's Jewish, obviously, I think you know that, um, but we started doing a Shabbat, um, dinner every Friday night with, um, my, both my parents, which is strange because they're divorced, but my, so my sister would join my dad and my mom and us and my kids and I would make challah every Friday. And then we would all do Shabbat dinner. And it just became this, you know, we, it was more, first of all, it was more time doing Shabbat than I had done in years, but it was also more time than we'd spend. We don't see my particularly my dad, he doesn't live in New York. We don't see him that often. So in some ways we were actually through technology, seeing him more and and being, he was more a part of our lives than he had been in the past. So I I hope those are the types of things that when we all can get back together in person again, and we all get back to a busier life, we don't lose those, those rituals and those like tech enabled rituals that Mm -hmm. have been actually really great, I think for us. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, during pretty early on in the pandemic, I wrote this article called, why didn't we do this before? And, mm-hmm. and it's funny because there are so many things like that. I mean, look, hashtag silver lining, right? You can have a, a Shabbat dinner or a zoom with both your parents right. when they're divorced. Um, you know, I could appreciate that as well with, with my parents were divorced also, but, um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting question to say, even if we are all in New York, you weren't seeing your mom and your sister every right. Friday night and doing Shabbat. Right. And so I do think that there's going to be an opportunity for all of us, however many months from now, when we begin to feel that we're going back to whatever normal becomes, how can we be more intentional about maintaining old rituals, maintaining new rituals, and really finding that sweet spot between the tech and that in-person connection. And I know for, for me, I am counting the down the minutes until, until that day for sure. Me too. But I, I agree. I think there's so many moments, my husband and I both as like two busy working parents have said, like, we don't, there's a lot that we don't want to go back to. And like, we never had dinner with our kids until we started working from home and truly never. And you know, maybe on a Saturday night if we were home. But other than that, we were both working all the time. And so the idea, like those are the types of things that we don't want to go back to a world in which we're never home with our kids for dinner. Like we don't want to, the idea that now it's just assumed that we're both going to put them to bed every night versus, you know, in the past, it would be like a trade-off of, oh, he's going to work late tonight. I'll work late tomorrow. Now we're both just home every night. And so there's so many rituals like that, that, um, you know, again, again, we all hope to get back to some version of normal, but I'm hoping those types of things stick with us. Yeah. I, uh, 
Yeah, we're yes, we are all home. I, I posted something on my Instagram <laughs> the other day about my poor husband. I was like, I love you, but not for lunch. I was like, I, I do miss getting out, you know, into into an office and having some yeah. semblance of of structure. And I, I think we all do. So, you know, you I'd love to ask you your your opinion on this. You know, we have had conversations over the years on, on walks and hikes that that we've been on about you know, flexible work and can you work remotely and, you know, the impact on women and having kids, you're, you know, you have three kids under five. Crazy town. I had that one, that one, one, one day I too had three kids under five. So what do you see going forward in terms of the, I think the impact of this for many working women that I've spoken to are, are really feeling hopeful that, that we don't go back to this expectation that, we have to be in the office five days a week and there's FaceTime and, you know, the other kind of FaceTime and right. all of that. And because I think this flexibility, especially for people who have kids or taking care of elderly parents, I mean, it really enables a much more diverse workforce. So would love your thought. And, and if you've spoken to other women about, about, about what this pandemic will do to that issue, which is, is a really big issue for many people. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I come out of, of two different minds. In some ways, I, I'm hopeful. In other ways, I think that this has set back women in their careers significantly. And we'll see, maybe both will be true, but I, I, I we'll see where, where it all nets out. I think I'm hopeful in the sense that I agree with you. I think companies have now, a lot of companies have now realized what many of us have you know, known for many years, which is if I'm good at my job, I'm going to be good at my job, whether I'm sitting in my house or whether I'm sitting at a desk in an office and that there, you can, you can attract a much more diverse workforce by allowing things like flexibility. I've always been fortunate that I've worked a pretty flexible schedule. So I've always been able to prioritize, you know, getting home for my kid's bedtime, for example, but then logging back on at night and, you know, and finishing my work then. I think the challenge, and we've talked about this before, with flexibility is that it sometimes becomes a code word for working all the time and always being available. And I think it's one of the challenges I found for myself is that like, yes, in theory, it was flexible in the sense that I could do drop off or I could do pickup at school even sometimes, but I paid for it by working like another 12 hours that day. Right. And so I think if there's a, like the true way I think to uh, continue to attract a diverse workforce is if there was a, a way to have flexibility, but not at the expense of boundaries. And I think sometimes the line gets blurred because whether it's because it's people like me that are feeling overly, like they need to overly compensate for the fact that they took 15 minutes to drop their kids at school. So now need to work an extra, you know, three hours that night. Or it's just the expectation of the company that like, oh, well, if she's at home, she's not really working as hard so we can keep adding more to her plate. And so I think flexibility can sometimes like you still have to be able to shut off. And I think sometimes when you have a flexible schedule, you're like not really allowed to shut off. Right. But do you think that's more of a female, stereotypically female issue that if you do drop off, you're going to then work? You think if a dad was dropping off? a kid there that would even enter into his thinking? No. And I think that's part of the chat. I mean, I guess that's sort of the, um, kind of the, the, my, the pessimistic side of me, which thinks that this (laughs) pandemic will set back women 
women's careers for a long time. Because think about, we were just talking about remote school and all of the challenges that go with that. I mean, I was watching my daughter's class this morning and there were eight kids in the class and all eight, it was the mom that logged them on. And, you know, that's all time that one of us, and and I'm not criticizing, but I didn't come to the podcast to criticize my husband. So I'm, I'm not suggesting that, <laughs> but, um, you know, it just, that's the fact that most of the, the, um, childcare and the now with school is falling on women, um, predominantly. So I think in that sense, it is, you know, that's what's, I think, going to make this a really difficult time for working women. I think for a lot of women that can take a step back right now, they are, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously it goes without saying that many, 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 the vast majority cannot, but for those that can, I think you see a lot of people doing that. I feel fortunate that I'm able to do that, but you know, most can. And so I think, anyway, I think that's where, you know, women's careers may take a step back after COVID. And I I hope that doesn't happen, but I think it might. But I totally agree with you. When I used to do drop-off when kids went to school in person, it was often the dads, which was great. I mean, as many times it was dads dropping off. And I agree with you. I don't think any of them are going home and thinking about how they need to work an extra three hours because they were, you know, they got to work at 9, 10 instead of 9. Right, right. Wow. Uh, You stopped me in my tracks um, a little bit just now. And I have this vision of my head with these eight, five-year-olds, you know, logging on with all of the moms. And it's, yeah, I, I mean, we need to have conversations about, and yes, right now you are not working and you have time to do it, but you might have other meetings and other things. And I'm sure, you know, you and Will could figure out who does it on which day, but I think right. it's, it's interesting, these, these trends that it is, and I know. I won't any name name any names on here, but yeah, many of my friends are dealing with with the exact same same thing. Right, we're fortunate again, right, that I had pre planned to have left my job. I'm on maternity leave right now. Like it, it's very. This is what I'm doing. So it's of course it's me that's that's logging them on. But right, I, I had the same feeling watching. This was you know 15 minutes ago, but watching all these moms logging on, most of them work, and they're all stepping away from their job to log their kids in. And, you know, every, it's, every family dynamic is different and, you know, whoever the breadwinner is, is probably working harder, but I'm sorry, is, has less, you want there to be less flexibility, but um, definitely I, I think about the impact that this will have on women, particularly caretakers for the next few years. And it, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Although I will say in the beginning when we were all quarantined, even though my kids are older, we had some technical, you know, technology issues and we all have our roles in our family. And my husband is the chief technology officer. So I'm like, get down here. You're on. I don't, <laughs> know, what's- the <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't know what's going on. Um, so in terms of your overall career, I mean, I've always admired you. You went to Harvard business school. You, what you were in, you know, went to Pepsi for marketing, which is the place to go to really learn the ins and outs of being a strong marketer and then on to, to Peloton and some other places as well. Um, what, what would you say the impact of your relationships, um, have been on your, your success in business and your success in life in general? Um, it's a good question. I, you know, I would say for the last, however, this is the first pause I've had in my career. Um, starting, you know, from straight from college through to the present day. So it's the first time I really had a moment to reflect. I think for most of my career, even with before kids, 
I always, this guess this is more just my personality, but I always felt like I was the busiest person. You know, I was pre-kids, first one in the office, last one out at night, post-kids, like, you know, maybe got in later and left earlier, but was logging on at night. Like I've always been the type of person. So I think if you had asked me a year or two ago about the impact of my relationships on my career, I would say zero. Like I just put my head down and did my work. And I never was the type of person when people would talk about their mentors, I always would kind of laugh and be like, oh, I never had a mentor. And like, you know, what about this conference that you went to? Like never did that. Like I just put my head down and work. And I think now with a little bit of finally um, kind of, uh, I can take a step back and reflect a little bit for the first time. And I realized actually that relationships were critical to how I, to my success and to getting my work done. I just didn't really realize it at the time. And I think about the early days for me at Peloton when I came in, as you said, you know, with a Pepsi template of how people do marketing. And I thought it was so obvious to me, like these are the, you know, build a consumer insights team, go do brand strategy. And it was so obvious to me what work needed to be done. But I didn't really appreciate how important building those relationships were to be able to be successful. So I, again, I just kind of came in and was like, well, I got to leave by six. So I better just put my head down and do my job and, and it's going to be great. And the CEO and the founder and, and the rest of the leadership team really had no interest in what I was selling. You know, they, they didn't agree with any of the thing, the steps I wanted to take. Mm-hmm. They didn't think they were important. And I realized that I really needed to build those relationships to be able to have influence. And I think particularly at smaller companies before things are so formalized. Um, So much of people's success is about the relationships they build and how much they're able to have influence. And, you know, fast forward four years later, I think I was, there were so many things that I weighed in on and that I, decisions that I was a part of that you wouldn't necessarily write in my job description, but I had built those relationships. So I was respected and I was seen as someone you would want, you know, to have sitting around the table. But that's all, that's not because it was, again, like written down in job description. It's because I built those relationships. So I think for a, a most, um, most people in a business setting, though, like build, building those relationships with your peers and with the people that you need to influence are pro- is probably one of the most important things you need to do. Right. So that would be your advice for people coming into the workforce now or moving up that, that ladder to, um, it's just, it's interesting. It, it was a big part of your trajectory, but you were moving at such a fast pace, you couldn't even, it did, that didn't even register. But I, I do think, you know, it's one of the reasons why this podcast is called Left to Our Own Devices, you know, excusing the oh so cheesy pun, we're not connecting. And so I like to think about relationships is, is that we have to be intentional. And if, and if people are listening to you and hearing, you know what, this really was important. And, and this, it sounded like a switch almost went on when you, when you got to Peloton and said, you know what, I can't just take what I'm selling. I have to take a step back and be intentional about how, when, and where I build these relationships to enable me to sell what I want to sell. Um, although those, it might change as those relationships get built. So it's, it is, it right. is a case for, for being intentional about relationship building. Totally. I agree. I, but I do think this is where it's more challenging for women because there were so many, you know, casual 
moments that I didn't, I was, I've always been very deliberate with how I spend my time. I think it's part of what's made me successful is to say, um, you know, this is my priority for today and I'm going to go do it. And it's really, and so for me, things like the drinks after work were never a priority. Like I, you know, each time it happened, I thought about, I could put my kids to bed or I could go have a random glass of wine with people I was just spent all day working with, like, no, thanks. I'll choose my kids. Right. Um, but I think I, my, uh, my ability to have influence suffered because of that. And I, ha- I felt like I had to work even harder and had to be even more prepared and even smarter because I wasn't building those casual relationships. So I think it's, I totally agree with you. I think being intentional about your relationships and the realizing how important they are is, is so critical to your success. I, but I do think it's another area where women, particularly in caretaking roles can sometimes suffer because they don't really have the time to put in for all of those. Yeah. So I, I have two, two thoughts to that. Number one is that it goes back to one of the things I often say is, does your calendar reflect your values? personal values and the values of your organization and to say to yourself, you know what, I'm not going to go out for drinks with the team every week, but once a month, I'm going to go even at the expense of some of these other things, getting a babysitter or getting somebody, you know, getting my husband to watch the kids and, and, and realizing that you may not want to do it. Um, most people seem to have fun once they're there, but right. that, but, but that, you know, the soft stuff is sometimes really is important is important from a, from a long game perspective. The other thought that crossed my mind as you were talking was I have been doing a lot of coaching and counseling, even, you know, pre COVID, but also now about why does happy hour have to start at six o'clock? That when you think about a culture of inclusion, you know, diversity and inclusion, we can't have these things after always after work. And so one of the things that, that at least with, with this pandemic, when people being home, leaders seem more open to doing some of these extra team building, having a Peloton, you know, going back to Peloton, you know, having a Peloton class or a moment to take a break or something that's not after five or six, five or six o'clock. So I think if we, if there are women listening to this, you know, thinking about that from both perspectives and being someone that brings some of these ideas to the table. Yeah. The other thing, I totally agree with that. The other thing I um, tried to be more thoughtful about in in our team building exercises was not making them always about alcohol also. Yes. Or food. Because I had people on my team that didn't drink. I had people that were uncomfortable in those settings. And so we would try, we would go do a group exercise, you know, when you're allowed to see people in person, but go do a group exercise together or did a cooking class together, something that felt a little bit more inclusive too. Because I agree, if you're trying to build a diverse workforce, defaulting to the six o'clock happy hour at a bar is not the way to do it. So, uh, we're almost at the end of our time and, and you have to get back onto, uh, kindergarten zoom, a riveting kindergarten zoom, yes. kindergarten zoom. So just a, uh, one more question that I ask all of my guests and then just a few fun rapid fire questions at the end. Um, what do you do in your life that makes you feel most like you? Hmm. Good question. I think it's kind of why I was excited to come on this podcast because I would say I'm a very ritualistic person. So I, in my mind, like I like to remove the decision-making. I feel I like to keep decision-making for like the really important stuff. And so I try and do like, I have the same, 
I wake up every morning and I exercise. Like I don't just go on my pelvic mic, but like I, every day I, I cannot do something like this. I cannot have like a functioning day if I don't exercise in the mm-hmm. particularly in the morning. Um, same with, I usually have the same thing for breakfast every morning. So there are things. And so I'm laughing because I think this is when my husband tells me that I sound really boring and I shouldn't talk about these things, but for the most, I try and like remove the, um, I try to remove the things from my day that don't need to be a decision-making point. Mm-hmm. And so then you can really, you know, then put your energy towards the, the interesting stuff. So if I'm working, like, what are the things, you know, what are like the big decisions I have to make that day for my job and put all my energy towards that, not spend a lot of energy on like, am I going to work out today? When am I going to work out today? What's going to be for lunch? What's going to be for dinner? So like, you know, when I was at my office, I would have the same salad from Sweet Green every day. And again, my assistant at work would always laugh at me. And she's like, aren't you so sick of that same thing every day? And I don't get sick of it because it just feels like it's not that important to me. And it's like, like I feel healthy when I eat it and it's great. And so same. So I, I would say the answer to your question is like what makes me feel like me is kind of all of those rituals together. That just kind of like the consistency of having, you know, whether it's the same thing for breakfast or whether it's exercising in the morning, putting my kids to bed at the same time every night, um, those type of like, uh, those type of rituals, having them every day are what makes me kind of feel like myself. Oh, I love that. And, you know, rituals from a science perspective, bring, give people a sense of order out of chaos. And so that's right. probably what you're feeling that, that you can take all of that out of the equation. And one of the things I found when I was finishing my book, which I handed in on March 30th, two weeks into quarantine thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen here is that rituals really help people during these, these turbulent times. And we see Absolutely. that with kids too. I mean, that kids right. really love, love those rituals and, you know, the sleep experts and all the people that, that say your kids are going to sleep better if they go to bed at the, at the same time. So, right. Exactly. So thank you for that. I'll, I'll, it's a good motivation. I'll, I, I will know not to reach out to you in the morning because I know you're working out <laughs> and I should build that into my schedule as well. So a couple of just quick and fun questions so people can learn a little bit more about you. Um, are you binging? Do you have any time for TV during this pandemic? What are you watching on Netflix or Hulu or your go-to network of choice? You know, it's so funny because for four years, I would like get the most anxious when people asked me this question. And I would literally like Google <laughs> what's on TV before people, like before I would do an interview. Cause I was like, oh my God, they're going to think there's something wrong with me. I've literally no idea what's on TV. And then I thought this was going to be my moment of not working to watch TV. And that didn't happen either with three kids. But then I got mastitis last weekend and I had 103 temperature and I couldn't get out of bed for three days. And I watched the undoing and I feel like I get why people talk about binge watching TV. It was amazing. Oh my God. I don't God. want to spoil it in case you don't, haven't watched don't it, spoil it. I have two so more, good. I have two more episodes. I, I agree with you. I hardly watch anything and probably because I was writing this book during the pandemic and I often don't know what to say, but when you get one that, that like grabs you, like there oh my is God, nothing all better. I think about it's right. so good. So the next one I will say, cause I like to do ones that aren't like 700 episodes, like, you know, six, right. seven, like undoing six yeah, episodes. Seven. Perfect. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you've heard this one now cause everybody's been watching it, but the queen's gambit is so good. 
And so you'll, you'll like that. Next time I list and then the antibiotics started working and I felt better. So that will be the next time I get mastitis. That will be okay. the next No, one. I do not want you to get sick, but you, the Queen's Gambit's really good. Well, what, so you're not watching TV. Have you been able to read any books? Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. No, you know, I, I haven't. I feel like every night I start reading, I get, I've gotten very deep into the Atlantic and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. And by the time I finish all three, I, night, then I fall asleep. So no, I am not reading anything. Well, right now. I'm a fan of that. Fan of that too. I had trouble reading reading books during the pandemic. I was a little hyped up and had had a little bit. Of I trouble. think that was part of it. Right? I just go really deep on the COVID numbers in New York instead of oh every night. <laughs> just really not <laughs> what I should be doing. No, no, not at all. All right. So do you? I don't know if you'll be able to answer this question either. But it, do you have a favorite Peloton instructor or go to class? Mm-hmm. I do. I, I mean, I love the instructors all personally there. Um, Alex Tucson has become a good friend of mine. Jen Sherman has been a great friend of mine, but I would say in terms of classes, I love Robin. I feel like, and I'm so happy she's now pregnant. And I, I, I emailed her when I found out and I said, you know, you've gotten for some reason, even before she was pregnant, she just really spoke to the like mom in me that just felt like every day, you know, everything, the world was just kind of crumbling around me. And I'm so happy now she's pregnant. And I sent her an email, like we now, this community now needs to lift her. Like she's lifted us so many times. So I do love Robin's classes. All right. She's well, a I... greatest showman ride, which is it's old. It's oh, like three years really? old, but it's, it's amazing. It's so good. Oh my gosh. I need, whenever I need... I'm in a bad mood, that's where I I go back to. I love the music. Well, and I can, I just had this image in my head when you were saying that she should start doing a class for other pregnant moms to all come and connect as a, you know, I know pregnant, yes. well, she, pregnant the problem Peloton. Is that she's, she's still riding like she was not pregnant. So I don't know if anyone else, any other pregnant person could keep up with her right now. <laughs> so funny. Well, thank you so much. It is 1227. I got you out of here just Perfect. on time to log on. I miss seeing you in person. I hope to do so thank soon. You. Say hi to Will and the kids and we'll let you know when this airs and I will send you a copy of Rituals Roadmap as soon as it comes out. Maybe that will be your first, uh, Thank you so much, Erica. This was fun. It was really nice to talk to you. All right. You too. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in this week to Left to Our Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly newsletter, text the word HUMAN to 66866. Or you can connect with me by email at erica at spaghettiproject.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you next time.